Welcome to the Love Well Podcast. Glad you're with me this week. Uh, we are continuing our conversation here uh, on who is Jesus, part five of a seven-part discussion uh, on the I Am statements of Jesus from the Gospel of John. And uh, so I am, man, I'm glad you're here with me uh, this week. And so, uh, yeah, what are we, what are we, uh, where are we going? What are we doing here? Um, well, first, I would encourage you to subscribe uh, to Love Well. Uh, head on over to DanielMRose.com and give that a give that a quick subscription. Uh, anything that I'm writing, publishing, that kind of stuff, all gets dumped right into your inbox. Super easy. Uh, you can also subscribe to this, uh, the audio version of this podcast. Um, you know, anywhere that you can find podcasts, uh, I will show up there. Just search love, hashtag love well, and it will, it will pop. Uh, also, you can subscribe to uh, the, to my YouTube channel. And uh, you can find that right here at youtube.com slash Daniel Rose. And uh, yeah, you can go check all that out. Uh, if you subscribe there, you'll get notifications of when I go live, all that good stuff. Um, and if you want to continue the conversation with me, hit me up on Twitter at Daniel M. Rose. Uh, definitely the easiest way to get in touch with me. Uh, more and more, I'm not floating around the Facebooks. Um, but uh, on Twitter, I'm I'm pretty pretty present, and uh, so yeah, would love to would love to have you join me uh, and continue the conversation of what you hear today. Uh, so, where are we going? What are we talking about? Uh, well, this this week, uh, part five of seven, and who is Jesus? Uh, he says, "I am the resurrection and the life." This. Uh, this is a good one, right? Um, and uh, so, so they're like, as if any of them are not good ones. I mean, come on. Um, so let's let's take a look uh, at this. Let's take a look at this passage, and then let's dive in, shall we? Uh, we are looking at uh, John chapter eleven, beginning in verses seventeen. Uh, and, and we're going to go through verse 27 or so. It goes like this. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. 
The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked, Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Right. So, a famous passage. Um, and we didn't even get to the part where some of you are thinking, He missed the, he missed the whole point of the story. Right? Uh, so let's... This 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 passage uh, is one of those that we really you know we really need to have context for. We need to we really need to kind of try to come to grips with uh, the the full context. Um, if we're going to get our minds around verses twenty five and twenty six, where Jesus says, "I am the resurrection and the life," we have to understand uh, kind of what's what's happening here. And uh, so if I were going to read, you know, all of chapter 11 to you, really chapter 11, 1 through uh, 44, uh, you probably would have turned this podcast off. I mean, I was, I was, uh, I was risking it going from, uh, you know, verse 17 through, all the way through 37, 20 verses is, is a long, long read these days. Um, and yeah, I expanded the passage a little bit uh, because I, I wanted to. Uh, so, so what is the context? What's what's happening here? Um, well, let's let's take a look back uh, in verse one, chapter eleven, verse one. It says, "Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha." Um, and uh, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, "Lord, the one you love is sick." Lord, the one you love is sick. So this is a. This is kind of one of those moments, right? We get a we get a little insight into Jesus's life. And it's a it's an insight that um, that begins to show us a good sense of his humanity. Jesus had friends. He had friends that he cared about. He had friends that he loved. He had friends that meant something to him. And uh, so much so that these sisters sent word, sent, sent word a distance away uh, that, hey, Jesus, you're, you're one of your bros, one of your best buddies. He's, he's sick. He needs you to come heal him. And that's, and that's where Martha's frustration comes in, right? Um, because Jesus didn't get there in time. He didn't show up fast enough for her. And uh, she was she was really, really frustrated. She was really annoyed that he didn't show up, that he waited, that, that he didn't make it in time to heal her brother. So, so, so what else happens, right? Jesus says, 
uh, when, he, when he heard that he was sick, he says, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son might be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. He loved that whole family. They were close, personal friends. So, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. So Jesus doesn't get there. He doesn't get there until Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. He waits two, and then it takes two to get there. Okay, so this means that Lazarus must have died shortly after the messenger to Jesus was sent out. So that's, that's important. I mean, it's not like Jesus could just magically show up there. He was going to take him a couple of days. But he gets there four days. Four days Lazarus has been in the tomb. Why is this important? Well, uh, because in the first century, uh, according to Jewish teaching, according to the, uh, you know, to the rabbis, uh, it, was on the, it was the fourth day after someone died that their spirit actually left, that their spirit actually uh, took off. And that's because it's usually about the fourth day uh, where uh, a body that hasn't been embalmed starts decomposing and starts to stink. <laughs> it's, it's almost like, you know, our souls are kind of like hanging around like, oh, maybe, maybe I'll go back in. Maybe I'll go, oh, nope, that flesh bag stinks now. I'm out. And so they, uh, that was kind of the teaching was day four was when we knew for certain, really fully God, honest, dead, gone, gone, super dead, body starts to stink. And, uh, and so he, you know, he's, he waits a couple of days and then goes uh, because that would bring him there the fourth day. And there would be no doubt that Lazarus was dead. Because remember what Jesus said here. This, this sickness is not going to end in death. Why? Because God is going to be glorified through it. There was something else going on here. And Jesus was aware of it. And, and so he had to wait around. So that he could kind of bring about this, um, this glorification of God. That was going to come as a result of of what was happening here. So uh, what else? What else do we have going on in this, this early thing? Well, uh, as Jesus says, all right, guys, it's time to get up and go to Judea. The disciples were like, oh, heck no, we're out, not happening. Do you not remember the last time we went there? The last time we showed up in Judea, those guys wanted to stone you. They wanted to end you. We're not, this is a, Jesus, bad idea here, bad idea. That's, that's kind of what happens next in the story if you go back and you read that early part of uh, John chapter 11. Until one guy, one guy, uh, uh, you know, Thomas, good old doubting Thomas, he shows up and he says what? He says let us also go that we may die with him. Thomas is ride or die, baby. Let's roll. You see, we, we tagged this guy with the doubting Thomas thing because after Jesus' resurrection, he's like, hey, show me the, you know, show me the holes in the, in the wrists. Show me the, the, the spear hole in the side, and then I will believe that Jesus has risen from the dead. So he kind of gets this bum rap, but here he is. He is showing courage and bravery, and he's like, let's go. I am riding with Jesus. And all you guys need to come with me. Let's, let's go do this. Let us go die also. Um, because their assumption was that if Jesus goes back to, to Judea, he is, he is going to be killed by the authorities. 
And they were right. This is the moment. This is the turning point in John's gospel where Jesus sets his face towards Jerusalem, where Jesus is is saying, I am on my way to the cross. This is that moment. And so John, the master storyteller, the master narrator, right, starts this turn with the story of Lazarus. And And for many of us, we know the end of the story, right? At the end of the story, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. He goes to the tomb and he says, roll the rock away, roll the stone away. Lazarus come forth. And he comes forth and they take off his clothes, you know, the, the burial clothes, and, and he's, he's all good. So the turn towards Jerusalem starts with a resurrection and ends with a resurrection. Do you see how John is doing this? Do you see how John is putting together this beautiful story? Right? He's putting together this beautiful story, explaining and pointing us towards the resurrection. Now, Jesus shows up. He shows up and Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. And Mary, or uh, I'm sorry, Martha is absolutely furious. She is so mad with Jesus. She's so mad that he doesn't even get into town. And she is out like a shot. She's like the original Karen, right? I mean, she's just, she is, and I gotta wonder, did she have the haircut or what? Um, but she is out there and she, she is in his face. She is in his face. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She is just, oh, she's so mad at him. She's so mad and she is so frustrated. And what is Jesus' response? Your brother will rise again. And you can almost hear Martha's eyes roll, right? Because this was uh, just such an unbelievable platitude. It was just a, it was just that moment where it's like, oh great, here comes another person, another, another one telling me my brother will rise again. Uh, yeah, I know he's going to rise again at the last day, Jesus. I get it, right? That's, that's kind of what's happening because, you see, we sometimes think that uh, the Jewish people in the, in the first century didn't believe in resurrection, that they didn't believe uh, in uh, you know, the consummation of all things, where, where God was going to set all things right, where all things were going to be made new. They did believe that, and they believed that because it's all over the Old Testament. It's, there, there's, you know, we see that in, in the promises. We see that in, in, in the way that the story of God is developed, uh, especially in the prophets, where they are, they are looking towards the day when God would set all things right, where, where the Messiah would make all things right, all things new. And so this was a common kind of funeral thing, right? To say, hey, don't be sad. Don't be sad. Lazarus is going to rise again. It'll be okay. Just like we do at funerals, right? Funerals are the worst. Nobody knows what to say. And so we all default to platitudes. I'm sorry. Oh, rest, your, your, your beloved, your loved one is resting in heaven. Oh, your loved one is with Jesus now. Man, that, those, those things, I know we mean them to be, um, I know we mean them to be helpful. I know we mean them to be kind. I know we mean them to be loving. But they just come off as platitudes. 
and 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 not all that helpful, right? And and when we say them, many of us reply are going to respond just like Martha did, with kind of an eye roll and yeah, I know. Okay, thanks. Here's another another platitude to put in my back pocket. Appreciate it. Thank you. And uh, and that's so often in those moments. That's not what we need, right? Just as an aside, I mean, you know, when when we're walking through those hard times with somebody, when we're when we show up, when you show up at a funeral or a visitation, they don't need your platitudes. They don't need your "I'm so sorry." What they need is a hug. What folks what folks need is someone who just show up and be with them, and care about them, and love them. That's what they need. That's the most important thing they need. And that's why uh, oftentimes when we have the choice between going to a visitation or going to a funeral, uh, we, will always, we will always choose the visitation over the funeral. Because the funeral, it's a service. You're in, you're out, you're showing up, uh, you're, you're done in an hour, and uh, you, know, you, you really, outside of maybe a, a brief hug, um, you're not going to get to be present with the person who you're, you're wanting to show up for. But for the visitation, you get to you can just be there. You can just be present. You can sit with them. You can listen. Uh, you can you can really uh, I think I think you can I think you can really give your presence to somebody at a visitation more than a funeral. And uh, so that that's just that's just an aside, right? So. So here we are. Martha is, Martha is just beyond frustrated with Jesus. I think at this point. Um, but let's let's hold there. Let's look at Mary. What is, well, how about her sister? Right. After Jesus finishes his interaction with Mar- with Martha, she goes back to her sister and says, "Hey, uh, the teacher's asking for you. Um, Jesus." Jesus wants to see Mary. He wants to he wants to be present with her. And she gets up and she runs out to where Jesus is. And uh and he's just he's just heartbroken, right? It says when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. It was like this gut punch. It was this sick feeling in him as he saw them weeping, as he saw the heartache, as he saw the the brokenheartedness in them. His heart was troubled, right? He was moved in spirit and troubled, and, and he is just broken. Then he says, where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Jesus once more in verse 38, deeply moved, came to the tomb. I mean, he just, Jesus was, was just wrecked on the inside. He was wrecked by seeing the weeping. He was wrecked by seeing the tomb where his friend was laid, where his friend had died. I love this because we get to see a snapshot of Jesus' deep humanity. He, he had deep empathy and compassion for, for Mary and for those who were weeping. And he, and he was sad about his friend. He was heartbroken. And it is, it is amazing that he was so, that he could practice such deep 
empathy when he knew he knew the outcome of this he knew what he was about to do he knew that lazarus was going to rise from the dead remember back to the to the opening of john chapter 11 right this will not end in death for the glory of god jesus knew what he was going to do and yet he practiced deep empathy with mary with the people who are mourning this is what love looks like we we can learn so much from jesus in this moment to be with to practice empathy this is this is what we are called to do now all right we've looked at this but the center the moment the moment of this story is not the resurrection of lazarus it's not no the center of this story the center of this story comes in verses 25 and 26 you see the the raising of lazarus that's the falling action that's the well of course this is going to happen because this happened moment there's there's no question is is lazarus going to rise from the dead we don't that's that's not the center of the story the center of the story is jesus saying i am the resurrection and the life the one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die do you believe this there it is there's the moment there's the whole point of this whole thing do you believe this martha do you believe that i am the resurrection and the life now think about what jesus is saying here he is saying that he is the embodiment of resurrection he carries resurrection in him he carries life in him he is the embodiment of resurrection and life the embodiment of this there is no resurrection apart from jesus there is no life apart from jesus he is the embodiment of these two things christ is the resurrection christ is the life it is only by being united with him that we get to have resurrection it is only by being united with him that we get to experience life and remember what he had just talked about in john chapter 10 right i have come that they might have life and might have it to the full how can he say that he can say that because being united with him is where we find life as we unite ourselves with christ we begin to understand what human flourishing looks like we begin to live lives that are that are real we begin to we begin to live lives that that are grounded in the moment that are here that are present that are that are full that are flourishing because we are united we are united with the one who is life who is resurrection now jesus says two things about this right first the one who believes in me will live even though they die so what's he talking about there well he's talking about the reality he's talking about the reality that that when you are trusting in him when you have united your life with him even though your physical body dies you will live there is eternity there is there is an eternal future that you get to experience that you get to have presence 
That's, that's what he's talking about. So even though you die, you live. So rejoice. <laughs> rejoice, man. There is eternity here. You get to keep going. Um, but more than that, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Now, this is the revolutionary moment for me, is to consider that reality. To consider the reality that we don't have to die. Have you thought about that? I mean, think about that. If you are really living, you no longer have to die. There's no fear of death. There's no worry of death. There's no concern of death. If you, have uni- if you are united with Christ, because He is the resurrection. He is the life. He is the one who has come that they might have life and have it to the full. How do we live a life that is flourishing? How do we live a fully human life? We do so by being united with Christ and then we don't have to worry about dying because we won't die. Not really. Not ultimately. Our physical body may perish. Our physical body, that that's... That's going to, that is going to fall away. But we will have truly lived and we will continue living. You see, resurrection happens this side of the grave too. Life happens. Eternal life begins right here, right now. Let us begin to live life to the full. This is what Jesus is saying. He is, he is calling people to live life to the full right here, right now. It is not simply just a hope of heaven. This is not, the, the, the Jesus life is not, that is a huge fly that's flying around. The, the Jesus life is not, it's not fire insurance. It's not an escape hatch. It's not just a salvation plan. The Jesus life is living life right here, right now, living it to the full. Be with your friends. Live life. Be present. Be fully present in this moment. Because everything that you interact with, every person you interact with is holy, is created in the image of God. It's all been created good. So let's live life right here, right now. Let's let's get busy living This is what Jesus is saying. And he looks at Martha and he says, Do you believe this? That is the question that we are faced with. It is the same question that Martha was faced with. Do you believe that life begins right now? Do you believe that eternal life starts right here, right now, that we are to be so fully present in this moment that we are living and we are flourishing and we are pursuing eternal life right here, right now. Do you believe that? Do you believe this? Because if we do, if we do, then we no longer pine for heaven. We're no longer sitting around waiting and hoping for the day that we get to go to heaven. No, the Jesus life is living life to the full here and now. Go live, be present. Enjoy the good things that God has given us. This is the call of Jesus. This is what it means when we are united with Christ. We live resurrection life right here, right now. 
We live eternal life right here, right now. It starts today. Do you believe this? Thanks for being with me um, this week. And uh, I hope you'll wrestle with that question. I really do. Do you believe that eternal life begins right here, right now? Because if we do, then that will help us ultimately to love well. Because we will live lives, they will live lives that we know are eternal and that they matter. And I think that leads us to the place where we love well. All right. Hey. Until next week, love well, my friends.